just touch the meat, all right? Or take a Ziploc bag, put your hand in it, handle your meat, and then throw the Ziploc bag away. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. Well, we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbing. Uh, it looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. He has got a gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, this is not going to end very well. That's why I'm voting for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday for your 22nd of April 2018. Welcome everybody. Turns out there's 30 days in this month. Three zero, three zero days, and that might be germane with some some of the non hyper local news uh, coming up. But uh, as usual, Joey Murata producting the thing. Josh Taylor in there. With his eyes uh, absolutely glued to the Los Angeles Dodgers game of baseball, Michael Chappé over there, and the, we'll we'll give you any uh, updates on that, whatever. Also, uh, next hour, Kevin Figures, El Sportsball Caliente, will join us talking about the NBA, how the NBA playoffs are shaking out, and something. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say never done before Major League Baseball, but a record was broken in Major League Baseball today. That was pretty amazing. And uh, we'll talk with Kevin Figures about that next hour. That's that's called a tease, by the way. Now, this is called a payoff. Brandon Belt of the San Francisco Giants had a 21-pitch at-bat at, at uh, Anaheim, Angel Stadium in Anaheim. And they scrambled into the records, couldn't find an at-bat with more pitches, though, to be fair, uh, they've only been keeping strict records on that. For only a couple decades, so so chances are, at some point in the last century, maybe someone uh, had more than twenty-one pitches thrown at them for an at-bat, but they can't find a record of it. And that uh, for the for the record, a twenty-one pitch at-bat took twelve minutes and forty-five seconds. So boy, that's taking time off the clock. He really did his job there, didn't he? But getting getting you know, anyway. We'll talk with El Sportsball Caliente, <clears throat> uh, Kevin Figures, next hour. Uh, on that, and congratulations to El Camino Real Charter High School there in Woodland Hills. Joey Murata is a al- alumnus of that high school, but that's back when it was a super failing LA Unified School. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, it's pretty much true. Yeah. What, about, what about Josh? That's uh, Josh didn't actually. Josh was raised in a abandoned cardboard box. He didn't. He <laughs> didn't attend desert. traditional school. <laughs> Uh, he was thrown books. He's an autodidact, and he took. No, he's from the he's from the snooty part of the valley. Oh, that's right, Woodland. We can't soon, oh. yeah. And it's not just Woodland; it's Mahoganyland. That's <laughs> that's how it's snooty Woodland Hills is. Don't think it's pine. It's not piney hills. So what? Yeah, Josh. What kind of? What was? Uh, what would? What would you rate the quality of your high school? What is? What has it done uh, academic decathlon wise? Uh, well, I went to El Camino for a year. But then I transferred to a Jewish private high school, which I don't think has done anything in the academic decathlon. Oh. I'm pretty sure. But probably an athletic powerhouse. Yes, definitely an athletic powerhouse. Uh, Our our men's soccer team was, you know, Um, second to none. So uh, we'll get into the story. But, yeah, El Camino Real did something that uh, is really extraordinary, worldwide attention. The only school that's done better than them is from across the valley of Granada Hills. I mean, it's, it's really, no matter how much we run down L.A. Unified, the those two schools, the two charter schools, which of course L.A. Unified has to have be nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah, they have to be drug kicking and screaming 
to even acknowledge that charter schools can maybe, I don't know, qualitatively be better. But, I mean, I'll tell you what. I know that there's six kids that are going to leave a former LA Unified uh, High School um, uh, probably far better off than had they gone to a actual LA Unified uh, High School. So uh, we'll get into that. The big story nationally Four dead, a couple wounded in a Waffle House shooting near Nashville. The suspect uh, is still at large. Uh, the the thing I'm not seeing, um, and I, I granted I haven't seen evening news tonight, but the the suspect is a uh, white male. The victims are all minorities: three African Americans, one Hispanic male, uh, and and also the the restaurant itself, Waffle House, in Nashville. Um, is and, and I, n- not to paint with a broad brush, but if you went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., or if 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 a white supremacist said, "Where am I going to go? If I want to just kill uh, African Americans, where would I go?" This is this is so. In other words, this was racially motivated. There's not really a lot of question about this. But then this guy is off the off the hook. The, um, his backstory. Now we don't know how this resolves itself. Uh, police, local police, had had his apartment surrounded, but they they were it was just a perimeter. They were searching the apartment. Um, he he went there and apparently retrieved items uh, and then left. So they have no idea where the guy is. The L.A. Times identified the weapon used as a AK-15. So there's that. I tweeted out that story from the uh, the L.A. Times. And there's a photograph of the weapon that was used because. A uh, a heroic diner, a, a guy uh, who wanted to live through late Sunday, uh, wrestled the weapon away from the guy, and there's a photo of it on the ground in or on the floor in the Waffle House. It sure looks like an AR-15 to me, not an AK-15. Whatever. What, in fact, I don't even know what an AK-15 is. I've never heard of that one. No, um, LA LA Times though did. Uh, in fact, it looks like AB. Oh, I'm, par- I'm sorry, Channel Seven. I forgot their call letters. Um, they replicated that mistake as well here. Authorities say the suspect in a deadly shooting at a restaurant in Nashville was arrested last year by the U.S. Secret Service for being in a restricted area near the White House. Metro Nashville PD spokesman Don Aaron said 29-year-old Travis Reinking's firearms authorization was then revoked at the request of the FBI. I agree with that. And four weapons were seized, including the AK-15 that he allegedly used in the shooting at the Waffle House restaurant early Sunday. Uh, the nomenclature there is incorrect. It's an AR-15 style weapon. <clears throat> uh, Nashville PD spokesman says the four guns were returned to the suspect's father, who acknowledged giving them back to his son. So this is a guy when he was 28. He's not. He's not a minor. He, there was no uh, legal reason up to the point where he violated rules of the White House why he couldn't possess a weapon. Secret Service took the weapons away and then uh, re- uh, returned them to his father. And I'm not sure what. Legal authority was used in doing that or why they did that. But the guy has a, a really wacky track record. And he looks at here here in California, uh, local authorities, um, given that the guy was stalking Taylor Swift. Plus, this guy was? Yeah, oh, okay. uh, I guess. And a, a, a couple things. And I don't know if the family ever had him in for mental health care. But uh, I here in L.A. County, there uh, we do have the mental health hold, uh, and that includes uh, not just you trying to buy a weapon, but weapons that you possess. In the same way that if uh, uh, someone gets a temporary restraining order against you, you have to turn weapons in. When the restraining order is lifted, you can get the weapons back, but you have to turn them in. Well, there's a mental health restraining order, and this guy in L.A. County would have 
satisfied the criteria. I'm assuming in Tennessee they uh, they didn't have that. So, um, so as we were uh, culling over the weekend's news in regards to uh, vehicular deaths versus violent deaths, I have been noting here in 2018, and we're we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Super Hyper Local Sunday. I, I've been noticing that week by week there have been fewer and fewer violent homicides, not just in the city of L.A., but L.A. County. And I was wondering, well, how does L.A. County's homicide rate compare to, oh, say, Europe? Because, of course, they always compare Europe's homicide rate to America's homicide rate. Or usually when they, when they put their thumb on the scale, they compare Europe's firearm homicide rate, as if that somehow makes a difference to America's homicide rate. What is L.A. County's homicide rate per 100,000 residents compared to Europe's? And you know what? I'll be generous. Let's go out for the past decade. Over the past 10 years, what's L.A. County's homicide rate versus Europe's homicide rate? Again, this is L.A. County, right? This is the Wild West. The answer when we come back, tease, tease, tease. It is uh, Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here until 10 p.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. Welcome to L.A. KFI AM640, more stimulating target is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian sits in here until 10 p.m., giving you all the information so you can win your Monday with your uh, relatives, friends, or valuable business contacts. So we'll we'll get into it with uh, Kevin Figures next hour. How you can win your Monday with that amazing stat of the longest at-bat major league history that happened right here in the Southland earlier today. So it's one batter up there, and you got Brandon Belt, yeah. former pitcher there at Texas A&M. A slugger for the for Los Gigantes, and uh, twenty one foul balls, foul tips. So uh, the significance of it wore the pitcher out a little bit. Yeah, you pulled twenty one pitches out of a guy who's only supposed to go maybe eighty pitches. You just took out twenty five percent of his of his game, baby. Um, well, so here's the number because there are, there were some homicides this weekend, and you you you'll note that I've been noting. When we've been having relatively low mortality, unnatural mortalities here in LA County, because I, I, you know, other news outlets don't point this out, but having a memory of the early 90s, I do point this out to point out to people that, um, you know, think, somehow things have turned around in LA County without Antonio Villaraigosa's help or Tony Villar's help uh, or uh, Sheriff McDonald uh, for that reason, for that matter, but. Uh, so so here's the deal. Over the past decade, and I'm talking about L.A. County, all right? L.A. County, approximately 10 million people. That's the the high range for the estimate for L.A. County's population is uh, uh, 10.2 million. And with last year's 541 homicides of all methods, going back 10 years, L.A. County's average homicide per 100,000 is 5.8 per 100,000. Europe, the European Union, the EU, who we get compared to all the time, their homicide rate over the past 10 years, same period, was 6.2 per 100,000. But there's one gigantic difference between L.A. County and Europe, and that is the availability of firearms. There are more legally possessed firearms in L.A. County alone than in all of Europe. And oh, by the way. Wow. Yep. And there are more illegally possessed firearms in L.A. County 
than in all of Europe except for Yugoslavia um, and and possibly parts of Italy. So so again, if you want if you want to hear good news and some some context about firearm violence uh, or homicide uh, in, uh, violent homicide in general, by the way, that's it. If you have lived here since the 80s or earlier and you recall the year 2000, 1900 homicides, uh, and some of those years, you go back to the 80s when it was three and 4,000, the homicide rate was astounding. We were, there were 20 homicide weekends. Was that county or city? Uh, that's L.A. County. L- and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the way, that's the metric that I use because, for instance, some of the most violent parts, for, like Silmar is part of L.A. City, but Compton is not. Uh, and so, if you want the county, uh, the, the the county number, that's that's really that's the way to point. go. Yeah, good and point. and so uh, I was, I got to tell you, I was honestly a little astounded by that. I thought surely, L.A. County would have a higher homicide rate than all of Europe. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, now, firearm homicide, yeah, we have a uh, we have a higher rate than Europe, um, but not by a heck of a lot. And I don't know. I mean, you tell me. I guess would you rather be killed by a knife or a gun? Well, if it's a knife, then go to Europe. But the remarkable thing is that it's the avail with the availability of firearms that we have in LA County, that's the homicide rate. It's still lower than Europe. Well, we have fewer people, don't we? Well, but I'm, but it's per one hundred thousand. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Per, yeah, it's per one hundred thousand, and so it's and that's over the past decade. It's absolutely remarkable. And by the way, Europe's homicide rate is going up, and ours has consistently been going down for the past thirty years. So there's that. Um, and then also when you stretch that out, and this is my super hyper local happy fun fact, and and it's this: if you there's seven counties in the United States that have a homicide rate of twenty per hundred thousand. If you remove those seven counties, and we're not one of them, Los Angeles County is not one of those. But if you remove those seven counties from the U.S., the overall American homicide rate is 0.7 per hundred thousand. So in other words. The overall American homicide rate, if you remove those seven counties, is lower than Europe's. Yet, in America, there's 330 million people and over 340 million firearms that we know of. So the the availability of firearms, never the, notwithstanding, we still have a lower homicide rate than Europe. And so, with all due respect to kids shaking their fists in the air like they just don't care or they care a bit too much but they haven't done any reading... There's that. Um, the sheriff of, of uh, Tazewell County. Is that uh, how you say it? As, uh, it well, I, you know what? If I it's, bet it is. If it's named after who I think it is, I, th- I believe it's Tazewell. Uh, if it's not, then you might be right. It might be Tazewell. I don't know. Tazewell looks looks right. But if you were a cop in that county, you would want it to be Tazewell. <laughs> um, and so what? Um, so... So we will. Uh, I'll, I'll get you uh, uh, what what he says here in uh, in just a second. Uh, this is the county where the 29 year old man went into a Waffle House, and again, really, I, I forgot we kind of buried the lead. The guy went in there semi nude. He was wearing a coat, and that was it. No pants, no underwear. Huh? I guess. Uh, I don't know about the shoes, but who cares? He had no pants and no underwear on. He he goes in there semi nude, and I've seen I've seen uh, uh, you know some TV and Twitter comments about. Wow, semi-nude, he must have been crazy. No, he went into a restaurant at 3 a.m. to slaughter people. He's already crazy. How does having pants on make it suddenly more crazy? Uh, oh, yeah, he was dressed as a giraffe. Oh, well, then he must be nuts. Okay, then. Uh, but anyway, the guy's at large. Um, and, and I again, I, I still haven't seen the racial component pushed on this, but they're clearly 
is a racial component to this. I, I just I, I just find it hard to believe that he's driving around Nashville and he just happens to be uh, in a restaurant where he kills an African American worker, two African American uh, restaurant goers, and then one Hispanic, and uh, and then the guy who wrestles the rifle out of his arms is a African American patron. So that this was a this was a restaurant that catered locally and was popular with African American restaurant goers. And I just have a my spidey sense tell, tells me this guy targeted that place. And I mean, it, regardless of the fact that he probably was on something, uh, it makes no difference. Then he uh, he goes back to his apartment, and they say he's probably armed because the AR-15 that he used that was wrestled away from him is one of the four weapons that were taken from him by the county sheriff last year and returned to his dad. But the other firearms were not in his possession. They were probably back at his apartment, so that's why they're assuming he's armed, which, I don't know, seems like a pretty safe assumption. But I'll uh, tell you what the sheriff said about why this guy was disarmed last year and why he got the weapons back. That and more coming up. Super High Political Sunday with our eye on Tennessee, like it ought to be uh, on this night. Back right after this, KFI M640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. If I am 640 more stimulating talk, it is super hyper local Sunday. Brian sits in here till 10 p.m. Then I'll be on uh, Kennedy on Fox Business Channel tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific live, talking about North Korea to the uh, to the vast Fox Business uh, audience. Uh, early, we, we had the traditional guy walking in the freeway death early this morning. We'll get to that. A woman was shot dead in East LA early this morning. Fatally shot this morning, 4,800 block of Civic Center Way near Belvedere Park Lake. Deputies responding to a call of a shooting at 2.32 a.m. found an adult Latina with a gunshot wound to the upper torso, according to L.A. Sheriff's Department. Uh, the victim was pronounced dead at the scene. No info was available on motive or potential suspect or suspects. And uh, we uh, haven't heard any more from L.A. Sheriff's Department uh, on that one. So back to this fugitive. In Tennessee, uh, a, a guy by the name of Travis Reinking, a 29-year-old who had an encounter with the Secret Service last year, and the Secret Service um, uh, asked that his firearm identification card or whatever they have in, in Tennessee uh, be revoked or whatever. Here's what the Sheriff's Department uh, in, in Tazewell County, Illinois, and again, the, the, the shooting happened outside of Nashville. Is it Nashville or Memphis, Michael Schmeier? Nashville. Nashville, uh, Tennessee. But last year in Illinois, in Tazewell County, Illinois, uh, his firearms were taken from him, apparently for several minutes. Here, here's what the news minutes. release said. I'm not kidding. Here's what the news release says. The following news release has been prepared in response to numerous media inquiries following the shooting that occurred this morning in a Waffle House. In Nashville, Tennessee, the Tazewell County Sheriff's Office had several contacts with the suspect, Travis Reinking, prior to today. We are releasing all reports that we have involving Mr. Reinking. The Tazewell County Sheriff's Office has ordered, uh, offered all possible assistance to our law enforcement partners at the federal, state, and local levels because of the fact that this is a major interstate investigation. On August 24th, 2017, the Tazewell County Sheriff's Office received documents which indicated that the firearms owner's identification card of Travis Reinking, or they call it uh, a, a FOID 
card, firearms owner identification is called FOID, F-O-I-D card, uh, of Travis Reinking has been revoked by the Illinois State Police. Deputies located him in Tremont, Illinois, and served him with the notice and confiscated his FOID card. Four firearms were also removed from him. In, Il- in Illinois, you have to list and register all your firearms, pistols and, and rifles, so the state knows. His father was present at the time and possessed a valid firearms owner identification card. As the father had the legal right to possess the weapons, he was allowed to take possession of the firearms. The father agreed to keep the weapons secure and out of the possession of Travis. We have no information concerning how Travis Reinking obtained possession of the weapons subsequent to them being taken from him, close quote. And so uh, I'm assuming in Illinois, if you had that card taken away from you, and then I don't see anything here indicating that it was reissued. So they took it away from him. He probably in Illinois had no legal right to purchase a firearm, a long gun or a handgun. Uh, And then out of state in Tennessee, you can't cross lines and purchase uh, weapons in Tennessee if you're an Illinois resident. So that's how Illinois is a pretty strong, uh, you know, gun register, gun controlled state. But this thing of taking the four weapons from him and then turning around and handing them to the dad, it's it, it's it seems like they're missing a step because the the twenty eight year old Travis Ranking was the owner of the weapons, was the legal owner and possessor of the weapons. The father was not; he was just resided at the house. And I know that um, the, I I know guys who had contentious divorces uh, and were served with temporary restraining orders, and what they did. Uh, in the state of Washington was they called up their buddies and they sold each firearm for $1. And they produced a, 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 a receipt. And when the TRO was served, naming the weapons, saying, please surrender the following weapons, they were able to show a receipt. And they said, I sold those weapons early this morning before I received, physically received the temporary restraining order. Um, so they at least had to go through that loophole. Through They had to go through a step. This is odd to me. But I don't know how Illinois does this. But the fact that the problem child is in this house, he oh, he's the owner of these four weapons, but the dad is also in the house, so they just turn around and say, okay, um, you have the legal right to possess the weapons. I, if they do, they do, I guess. And then he promises to lock them up. So uh, so this is not, by the way, that the apartment that Tennessee police, that Nashville police were at earlier today, Travis uh, clearly moved out between August of last year and now he moved to Nashville, had his own apartment, and then evidently uh, at least at least had the one AR-15 with him. We don't know about the other three weapons. Um, and they're assuming that uh, the father, uh, evidently the father illegally provided the weapons. Uh, if the father took legal ownership of the weapons uh, w- with the condition that he would keep them out of this guy's hands because the guy couldn't legally possess them in, in Illinois, then no matter what happens to this kid, to this 29-year-old who's not a kid, no matter what happens to, to him, the dad is going to be on the hook for for the weapons uh, getting in his possession. But should he be, though, if the, if the, if the law authorities say, okay, here, you're the, you're the custodian now of the confiscated guns? That doesn't sound right. I bet Illinois has a very similar firearm possession at home law that California does that they have to be locked up and then people with unauthorized access, cannot have access to them. That includes nine-year-olds uh, in my case or a 28-year-old um, in, 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 in that case. That's why it just seems odd to me that, that, that they would just turn around and, and hand them to him. And did he say, I have a safe, come and look at it, come inspect it, whatever. I, I don't know how that worked, but it sounds to me like the dad 
regardless of, of how the dust settles with his son, uh, that the dad might be facing some charges. It's like here in California, if, you're, if your 10-year-old gets possession of, of a handgun, even if it's unloaded, if it's locked and accessible and the kid can unlock it and load it and go and kill a neighbor, um, I, I, the owner of the weapon, the parent, is, is going to be on the hook. And I agree with that completely. I mean, I take firearm ownership extremely serious, uh, and I get it. I understand in California um, uh, that they actually expect people to use firearms for home defense but actually keep them unloaded at home. <laughs> I think that's the most unfollowed law in all of California. Now, is the same hold true in California, in L.A. County, maybe even particularly, uh, that if there's a break-in and they get a hold of your uh, firearm? Hang on. I'm. You stay downstairs. I'm loading my shotgun. Right. Don't touch the new 4K. <laughs> Oh, you son of a bitch. I'm almost there. Um, no, unless you don't report it. Not reporting it is the stink. If, Even if it's not secured properly. If Yeah, if it is or is not, of course, when you report it, you'll say that it was completely locked up and un- unloaded, and you have no idea how they found it. But you you do have to report that the weapon's been stolen and it's uh, and it's gone. Uh, I don't know how this works in Illinois, but but the sounds to me, because we know how Illinois works, Sounds to me, if they need a sacrificial goat, they have it in this guy's dad. Yeah, I thought the the law here in California was it has to be locked up at all times and and unloaded. Yeah, even even in the home. Yes, and that's is that true? Yes. Oh my, it's ludicrous. What's the point? I don't know. <laughs> they're not happy if they're not loaded. And, and that's I. <laughs> it's it's really stupid. And of course, DiFi would agree. Gavin would agree with that and say, "Well, why, why does it have to be uh, loaded?" The answer to that is, I don't know. What do you that's, mean? That, that's the answer. Why does it need to be loaded? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know who's going to break into my house. It needs to be loaded because it's useless without... Yeah, if they call camera. ahead, then I'll, I'll be fine. If there's a law that, that dirtbags have to call ahead before they burglarize or home invade and murder a family, then I'll, I'll keep it unloaded. But, um, uh, of course, the line forms here to be in compliance with all California statutes. But I'm just saying, when criminals start calling ahead, then... I'll have a uh, you know I'll I'll have a locked unloaded weapon uh that way out of a kid's reach you know and all that it's it's really really stupid really 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 dumb and I would I I'm, I I don't want to be in a room with Jackie Lacey but good luck trying to prosecute that person in LA, even in LA County a person who had a weapon in their closet a shotgun uh, uh locked and loaded on safe even with a trigger guard whatever but it's loaded. But good luck prosecuting that person if they defended their family with a firearm. Good freaking luck. So uh, we will be back in just a second. Uh, yeah, we'll give you the latest on this uh, fugitive in Tennessee suspected of, or well, the suspect in uh, a quadruple homicide at a Waffle House early this morning. Uh, and then tragedy in Compton and guy walking across the 710 Spoiler alert, you know what happens. Uh, we'll get to that right after this. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here until 10 p.m. on KFI AM. 640 more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits here until 10 p.m. I believe this song released 1981 or 82. L.A. County had over 1,500 homicides. Not a, 
A happy song for a not-so-happy year. Just beating a point to death. Um, so uh, another uh, tragedy that happened on Saturday, and uh, again, this sort of the odd thing about the show is that we can actually cover uh, homicides individually uh, in, instead of uh, giving a toll like they used to do on Sunday Night News uh, in Los Angeles. A 29-year-old man was arrested after his living girlfriend was killed and her 8-year-old daughter was critically wounded in a shooting early Saturday morning in Compton. Uh, deputies responded around 1.45 a.m. to a report of a gunshot victim. According to a statement from L.A. County Sheriff's Department, they arrived to discover a woman who had been shot at least once in her upper body, pronounced dead at the scene. But the uh, they also found two of the women's children, a one-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl, who were unharmed and left behind. Investigators learned shortly after that the children's father had taken the his eight-year-old stepdaughter to a hospital after she was shot in the upper body, the child was listed in critical condition and still is. Uh, detectives from Sheriff's Homicide Bureau initially interviewed the father, identified as Juan Rodriguez as a witness. He was later taken into custody on suspicion of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. Authorities believe what happened was Rodriguez got into a fight with his girlfriend of nine years, uh, then shot and killed her. They also said the young girl was caught in the crossfire and shot accidentally. Um, speaking of firearms, um, uh, haphazardly possessed by people who shouldn't have them. Uh, a neighbor, Rosa Ramirez, said, quote, we were actually surprised to learn she got killed, she got shot. They always seemed like a happy family. So uh, that uh, that happened. And why do you take a gun to a woman with a child possibly in her it, arm? I, I know. Um, uh, you know, or and three others in, in, the, in house. the house, yeah, because b- bullets don't know whether or not they're going through wallboard or a two by four or whatever. But, um, there was a, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't naming names, but there was a talk show host who, um, in, and when he worked in Florida, he, he had a handgun. He was in an altercation with his wife and she had like a Pomeranian on the bed and the gun accidentally went off wounding the Pomeranian and uh, he would have been effed in this business, you know, forever because he was Mr. You know, gun responsibility, right wing guy, the whole thing. But she basically dropped charges and she corroborated his state. Whatever he said, she backed it up. But it it was just on the surface of it. It's like, wait, you're you're having an argument with your wife and there's a gun in your hand and there's a Pomeranian between her and you and. Then the gun accidentally goes off. And you did not take aim at the Pomeranian. Yeah. Boy, what are the odds? Well, the dog was barking. If you're monkeying around with a gun, that they just magically go off. Uh, remember? They, did they stay together? Sorry. Yeah. Um, last I checked, I, I think. Um, I, I, I believe so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, if you ever hear of any kind of douchebaggery like that involving me, you'll... You'll you'll hear that uh, undoubtedly my, my wife would not let me get away with that. So they would be the next news release would be filing for divorce. Um, remember the the work release guy, not work release, but the guy who was on like l- low uh, custody uh, road cruise with the full facial tats, and he only had like eight months to go yeah, to finish he, his till, sentence till November. Yeah, and he walked away. Remember that guy? Yeah. Well, we have another one. Yeah. Oh, this is the new one. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I need to turn it up a little more. Authorities are... And I'll need to start it over again. And more than 24 hours since walking out of a re-entry program facility, authorities are still looking for an escaped inmate. This is 30-year-old Richard Terran. Officials say he removed his electronic monitoring bracelet and left the facility in L.A. yesterday afternoon. Terran had served more than five years in prison for driving under the influence and causing great bodily injury. He was supposed to be paroled this fall. If you see him, you're asked to call 911. The, the, the dude's done, he's done a nickel already in, in CalDoc. And now he's downgraded to the sort of, you know, work release thing and just. You can smell freedom. Yeah, you can see light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be this fall. It's just, it's almost the end of April. So you don't count April. So you got, you got um, May, June, July, August, September. You got maybe five months. And then this is behind you and you walk away. And this is a guy who's got the, he doesn't have the same facial tats as that idiot up in Stockton with the full neck and the skull. He, the, that guy had a skeletal smile tattooed across his. Who stands out his, in any crowd. Yeah, his yeah. real actual human mouth. He had skeleton teeth um, tattooed over those. Oh. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I would really appreciate it if you considered me for this job in customer service. Uh, and I would, um, I would work really, really hard and I'd put my past behind me. Yeah, what about your full facial tats? Well, on that, I'll start wearing makeup. Um, this guy's not quite like that. For five years in California prisons, he's pretty untatted. He has a big, he's got a script capital W underneath his right eye. And it's not, it's almost like the Washington Nationals hat W. Script capital W in red. I can't make out the other ones. Is that a white supremacist thing? No, he and the, and the guy, the guy, I, I believe he's Hispanic. Um, and uh, Richard Taran, I don't know T A R I N. He he doesn't look like he'd be welcome with the Aryans on on leg day, uh, out in the weight room or on lime jello night on Wednesday. Uh, but then he's got he's got a bunch of script on his left cheek, uh, and but a bunch of this stuff can't be hidden by by a beard. I mean, a bunch of it's on his, right on the round of his, uh, right underneath his eyes or his eyebrow and all that. So the guy just cuts his ankle bracelet off and walks away, thinking, oh, no one's going to find me. But then again, I, I mean, I got to say, not that I'm painting with a broad brush, but man, you see a lot of adult men with kids and minivans at Costco with Facial tats that would be probable cause in Portland. But down here in L.A. County, you're at Costco. There's a guy uh, probably wearing a Dodgers hat or whatever or a team of his uh, choice. And he's got two or three kids pushing a cart around Costco, loading stuff into a minivan. And he's the guy's got facial tats. So he's moved on. He's doing something. And, and someone hired him or maybe he worked for himself. Maybe he grew out of whatever life, you know, that that he was in where he decided getting facial tats was a rational choice and he moved on. Maybe the boss has facial tats. Yeah, it could be. And uh, so I, I see a lot of that here. And I, w I would just say, if you're that guy and you're born and raised in LA County, I got news for you about other parts of the country. Um, you, you may be surprised when police call authorities on you just flat out because of the way you look. Uh, I took it. I was behind a guy at Fry's in the long line at Fry's. Where they where the light comes on, but there's still someone employed pointing to the light to put. So you go to the cash register just in case. Oh, it's so late. I get a break. But uh, no, I had a guy 
who who had these full on like one eight seven for life, you know, on the back of his head, yeah. tattooed there. Like, so you're advertising that you're a California penal fan of homicide, are you? Yeah, okay, yeah, one eighty seven's homicide. Yeah, right. uh, back right after this super hyper local Sunday, more fry stories. Right after this on KFI AM six forty, more stimulating talk. Just touch the meat. All right. Or take a Ziploc bag, put your hand in it, handle your meat, and then throw the Ziploc bag away. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. Well, we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbed. It looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. gun. He's got a gun. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is not going to end very well. Never That's done. why I'm voting for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here till 10 p.m. with producer Joey Murata and Josh Saylor in there. And uh, Michael Chappé, Joey Murata attended uh, El Camino Real High School when it was not a charter, so not in any way a member of the now apparently the world champion academic decathlon. But uh, I bet you'll be claiming credit. What? What's their? There's some sort of Spanish guy as their mascot. Is it like the Conquistador? That's exactly right. Yeah, the Conquistador. Oh, uh, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a movement to uh, replace that guy with something a little bit more. I know. University. PC. Yeah, I know. They they came here and they slaughtered an ass load of engines. (laughs) That's what they did. And they spread smallpox left and right. Got to do what you got to do. And then enslaved the the indigenous uh, population uh, to refine gold. So there's that. But uh, otherwise, uh, um, I enjoy uh, all that that we have here in the City of Angels. Where, which is filled with Angelinos. I have no idea what the name of it was before the Spanish came here and just wiped everything out and named it whatever they wanted. You know the full Spanish name of uh, the city? Uh, it, it, what is it? Oh, God. Michael, do you know? Oh, no. no. It's something Tur- like... Turns uh, out you don't know. No, no, something about like our late, uh, you know, Los An- City of Angels of Our Lady of... of uh, okay. Guadalupe. Something like this. Like, well, Ventura is Buena Ventura. Good, good venture. And uh, San Luis Obispo is uh, San uh. Luis Obispo. I got it here. So the original name is El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora La Reina de Los Angeles del Rio Porn. Oh, Porquiquelo. Is that still the name? You still going? <laughs> I was still going. Yeah, that was all still the name. Okay, actually. everyone. No everyone promise not to LA. tell. Everyone promise yeah, okay. not. Do not tell Eric Garcetti that there's a longer name. <laughs> he'll do it. it. Oh my God! He'll, he'll have it tattooed. He'll memorize it. It'll be on his neck and the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, please. And, uh, then, but what was the prior name? Before that? I don't know. Yeah. Actually. Let's check it out. Uh, there. Valley of the Smokes, I thought. There was a, uh, a, a time, uh, I want to say it was, uh, in, in the early 1880s. And here's, here's your Super Hyper Local Sunday fun fact, uh, again. In the early 1880s, Chinese tongs, Chinese organized crime were coming into California at a, at a greater and greater rate, and they were bringing with them their protection rackets and prostitution and opium and heroin and the whole thing. And there were militias of Angelinos, both uh, gringos and Mexican-Americans, banding together because there was a, just a different level of, of violence and corruption happening in downtown L.A., and there was a, a thing called the Los Angeles Massacre. It was where a, a group of, of, uh, of whites and Mexicans uh, formed a posse and lynched a bunch of Chinese gangsters. And so the New York Times called Los Angeles 
the blood-soaked Eden. How do you like that? Huh. The blood-soaked Eden. Apt. After the, uh, the, the famous Los Angeles massacre. Uh, but uh, so anyway, many there are many, many episodes like that here in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I bet Eric Garcetti doesn't know them or he suppresses them. So anyway, and and we'll go back to Joey Murata. He's still reading the name, the original name of, of Los Angeles. This is a, the, the story of the three dead found in the Jeep here in Burbank. Yeah. Um, uh, we were we knew that Burbank police were keeping details back because the investigation was ongoing. But we do know a little more, and here's uh, what we know. Now we're getting new information on three bodies found in a Jeep in Burbank earlier this week. Two of the three bodies were identified as 21-year-old Jan Carlos Amiyama of Bakersfield and his 23-year-old brother Lucas Amiyama. Tonight we're learning they both died from gunshot wounds to the head. The identity of the third body still has not been released. On Thursday, investigators searched a home in Riverside where it was believed the brothers were heading. Still no word on any arrests in this case. Uh, because there haven't been any. Uh, but the the missing posters that were up in Bakersfield included those two guys plus the third person who, if we're going to take bets, is probably the third body found in that Jeep and uh, executed with gunshots to the head. And so we, we don't know what happened in the house in Riverside, but the bodies were, in all likelihood, the men were killed there, put in the Jeep. The Jeep was dropped there in uh, in, in Burbank. And so... The authorities are sifting for clues, as they say. A 3-9, magnitude 3-9, in the Coachella Valley uh, was registered at approximately 7 p.m.-ish, or was it earlier? And uh, where are we settled on 3-9? Because usually they upgrade or they downgrade them. But uh, I believe last we heard it was... It this was, was a, tonight? I guess so. I nothing on TweetDeck or nothing on this. It was uh, it was yeah. approximately, uh, it, it was as we logged on. I got uh, it uh, just before, yeah, like 546, I think is when it uh, went out. Uh, oh. Yeah, a, a 3.9, which you would you would feel. You know, they, you, when they get lower than that, you're, you know, it's sort of like, oh, really? Is that what it was? I thought it was rolling over in bed. Or, or I, I felt the car, you know, you didn't, I didn't feel it in the car. Or the right. dog barked, but... But a it would uh, be a good wiggle, yeah. And so it was a prelim three nine, and I don't know if they. Oh, um, let me uh, let me look right here, and I'm clicking on earthquakes, and um, uh, no, that's not what I want. I'm, no. I obviously, if I was more prepared, I would be uh, doing this. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, let's zoom in Coachella Valley. <clears throat> Uh, eight kilometers, uh, 13 kilometers north northeast of Thousand Palms. Where's that? I don't know. Thousand Palms. Thou right. That's what it says. Thousand Palms. <laughs> it's yeah. at, no, I, I looked it up. Actually, it's near uh, Palm Springs. There uh, we go. A three nine. It's we're still we're stuck at a three nine. So Five forty six. This was uh yeah. So and it was seven point six kilometers below the surface of the Earth. So it probably is not Godzilla. Uh, but uh, so anyway, if that's upgraded, you, could, you could, could it be it. that the uh, Coachella Festival rocked so hard? Uh, that, uh, uh, no, nothing. nothing no, like dude, are you gonna? Are you married to that thing? You're gonna pass it over here, bro. <laughs> um, how close is? I don't know. How close is this to Coachella? It can't be that far if it's near I, Palm Springs. If it's in the Coachella Valley, yeah. I, I guess so. Thousand in the Coachella Valley, yeah. Huh. So, uh, so anyway, what a way to end that. This is the second and final weekend of it, right? I guess so. Yeah, it would be. Uh, in the Moreno, another kind of rocking. In the Moreno Valley, reports of gunfire and a large brawl involving dozens of teens and young adults 
probably the probably the uh, the socias versus the uh, the uh, the punks or whatever. Uh, young adults inside Moreno Valley's mall's food court brought deputies racing to the location Friday evening. At the beginning of this weekend, although initial reports of gunfire were later determined to be the sound of chairs and tables being thrown at security personnel trying to break up the melee. Of course, if you're in a mall and you're hearing things go bang, bang, reverb, everyone's going to say it's a machine gun. But it was a, basically a food fight between punks. I think it, I think uh, Pony Boy and, and his crew versus the Socias. Cell phone video from the scene showed pandemonium and chaos as mall security personnel tried to quell the violence. And the video showed dozens of mall patrons scattering from the food court and running for the mall's exit. So it was uh, it was pandemonium. But this is worth it just for this headline. Moreno Valley, full colon, large brawl, reports of gunfire at mall, brings deputies, rattles nerves. So there you go. Uh, when we come back, uh, how the weekend go at the box office and also... Uh, you've heard uh, California Assemblywoman Christina Garcia is under fire for keggers in her office up in Sacramento. Well, wait till you hear what she said she wanted to do to the next Asian person that she saw. Uh, we have that right after this from Politico.com. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here till 10 p.m. KFI. AM 640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. <laughs> throw the mama in there or else it doesn't sound like zeppelin kfi am 640 more stimulating talk it is super hyper local sunday brian suits in here until 10 p.m we'll talk about the el camino real charter high school winning the u.s academic decathlon and the the tense standoff between granada hills and el camino real as uh, those two high schools have won the american high school academic decathlon one of those two has won it 16 years in a row. But uh, you know who's the loser? California Assemblywoman Christina Garcia has taken a voluntary leave of absence. She uh, is nevertheless seeking re-election. She's the, the one who, uh, on the one hand, she's prominent in the hashtag MeToo movement. She was on uh, a cover of Vogue or something, I want to say. Um, but she's under investigation for groping and sexual harassment of former legislative staffers. Also, she had kegs and alcohol in her office and the whole thing. Spin the bottle. Oh, yes, yeah, spin the bottle. Brr, nothing bad can happen there. Uh, she was reprimanded by former Assembly Speaker John Perez in 2014 for making racially insensitive comments directed toward Asians. Perez confirmed to Politico on Saturday, and he's not in uh, the government anymore. I think Perez is in like the, the UC Board of Regents, but... He was a speaker. Now he he turned out, so he's doing that. He's he's doing that Democrat welfare thing. We're on you're on the Clean Air Resources Board and all that. Clearly, he hates Christina Garcia because he after after calling Politico numerous times, he confirmed on Saturday that he had to quote strongly admonish Christina Garcia after she made comments against Asians in a closed door Assembly Democratic Caucus meeting in 2014. The same year in which she also acknowledged using homophobic slurs aimed at Perez. Perez was the first openly gay speaker of the California State Assembly. Uh, and he was, he was like, super gay. Uh, sources familiar with the incident say that uh, Garcia's anti-Asian remarks came during a legislative battle 
Maybe you all remember this. Asian American community activists successfully pressured Democratic uh, assembly members to overturn the California ban on affirmative action in college admissions. They argued that such a move would hurt Asian student admission rates. Because here was the deal. They were going to reinstate these, these uh, diversity admission things. Listen, Asian applicants dominate California, UC, and Cal State freshman classes. You know why? Because they kick ass in that whole academic thing. The, uh, no one ever talks about this. When they talk about diversity at UC Berkeley, they're talking about Hispanic and black diversity. No one ever talks about the fact that 50% of the incoming freshman class is of Asian origin somewhere. It's come to a point, this is how ridiculous it is, that Asian kids now check other because they suspect that if they check Asian and they've maxed the SATs and they have a 4.2 and all that, they're, they're going to be kicked down uh, the list. So, the, so parents and community activists talked to their Democrat assembly members and they said, uh, if, you, if you overturn that ban and you start putting quotas and our kids don't go to UC Berkeley on their merits, you're not going to be in your office long. Well, so a bunch of Asian Democrats reversed their position. They went against the Democratic Party and they didn't overturn that ban. Perez in mid-March 2014 announced a move to return that bill to the Senate. Garcia, she was so pissed. Christina Garcia was so pissed after Perez blocked the uh, the bill, killing it basically, because she wanted to deliver to her constituents, oh, look what I did. I fought to get Hispanic kids uh, who don't cut it academically nevertheless admitted to UC Berkeley. Well, that's that was dead. She was so pissed that um, in a tense meeting of the entire Assembly Democratic Congress, caucus, pardon me, she said, quote, this makes me feel like I want to punch the next Asian person I see in the face. And then out of nowhere, kung fu music just popped up. Probably, I'm assuming some Asian Democrat assembly member jumped up and said, Christina Garcia, your kung fu is no good in this village. You must move on. You and your donkey are not welcome. Ha, 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 ha. I'm sorry. That's just, I just had to do that. Long walk for a short dive. I apologize. But so she says in front of, by the way, so this is the, the Democrat caucus. And by the way, in 2014, you know who's sitting there? Leland Yee. <laughs> She's lucky he didn't shoot her with probably with a gun that he grabbed from someone else because he likes grabbing your guns while he's selling firearms. Uh, Shrimp Boy was not welcome. But she, she stands up in front of the entire Assembly Democratic Caucus and says, this makes me feel like I want to punch the next Asian person I see in the face. Close quote. What is wrong with her? I don't know. Hashtag me too, though. She was a hero of the hashtag me too thing. So I guess we're just going to. This is after all this other stuff? Um, no, this was no, during. Was oh. You know what she'll say? She'll say, well, 2014 was a very dark year for me. You know, I mean, I was. How is she still in office? I don't know. And she's running for reelection. You know, I was. I don't know what she's going to say to rehab herself. Uh, in, in, in her district. How much you want to bet she gets reelected by a larger margin than than uh, she was last time? But uh, yeah, I provide alcohol. I grow up the staffers, and then uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Every once in a while, I walk down the halls and I punch an Asian person. So with their.
a week with her weak mantis style and me with my tiger style. That's a different kind of a Me Too movement. Yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. I thought the halls of the assembly would be appropriate for the dragon style. But I see, uh, I see uh, you were wrong. So that's Christine. That's the latest from Christina Garcia. Provides alcohol, gropes staffers, and wants to punch Asians in the face. So there's, uh, there's that. So, you know what? If I were her, if I wanted to find an Asian-rich environment, I'd go to the next uh, freshman induction at UC Berkeley because literally every other person is Asian. You know why? Because it's a meritocracy. So there's that. But uh, there we go. All right, Kevin Figures, El Sportsball Caliente will join us a uh, big day, question mark, in the NBA? Question mark? Um, that plus a uh, interesting record down in Anaheim. Uh, that I didn't know existed, but it was broken today. <clears throat> and the Doyers on national TV, how do they fare? We'll talk with El Sportsball Caliente from uh, AM570 KLAC. You're home of the Dodgers, part of the Petros and Money afternoon show right after this. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here till 10 p.m. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappay with the news. <laughs> If I am six forty more stimulating talk, super hyper local Sunday. Brian sits in here till ten p.m. We'll have the movie, so it really doesn't matter this weekend. It's just everyone's just holding their breath for Avengers and Finley War, and because of the new Deadpool two trailer, uh, now I really I'm 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 on strike until Deadpool two is out. So that's where I am. But spoiler alert. Um, all right, well, uh, let's bring him on board, uh, El Sportsball Caliente, uh, as he's been known for years and years and years, Kevin Figures, from the F&A Podcast and the Petros and Money Show from AM570 KLAC, your home of the Doyers, comes on board to talk sportsball. So how was how was the sportsball weekend for you? Sportsball weekend was full, Brian. Always a pleasure to talk to you, brother, and I think I might be the only person left on the planet who has not seen Black Panther yet, so you'll have that, too, since you're talking movies. You know what? Then you and I. You and I both. Okay. So we got to do a sausage party and go up to the AMC at Burbank and see it. I'm I'm holding off until right before. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know if there's no particular reason why I haven't, but I know it's pretty bad when my mom comes up to me and tells me, you know, shames me for not watching the movie. My mom is as far behind on the times as anyone, and she's seen the movie and I haven't. Well, and, and also the more, it's one of those things where the more people tell you you have to go see a movie, the less likely I am to go see it. Yeah, as long as I'm very defined when it comes to that. Don't tell me what I should and shouldn't be yeah. watching. And also then, like I said, the Deadpool 2 trailer came out on Friday, and I right. realized I'm I'm not seeing anything until that until I see that. Yeah, that looks amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. Looks absolutely amazing. And I love, the, I love the first one, by the way. The perfect type of superhero, oh, yeah. very irreverent. No, we'll go see one, and we'll, we'll hit Barney's Beanery. Oh, I love it. And then go see it, because the owner of Barney's Beanery is a friend of KF5, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I like it. You, you know what better. I'm saying? Okay. Next, okay, next time I'm going, I'm taking you with me there, Brian. Um, all right, so uh, the National League of the Basketball, I believe is what it's called, the uh, the NLTB uh, playing today. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I I didn't know this. Uh, well, I mean, I did know this. The the Golden State Warriors had the Spurs down 3 nothing. Uh, what's the problem with them? Do they can they only close out with Steph Curry? They lost. It him. Seems, you know, it's weird. There's a minor conspiracy theory going around that the Warriors are maybe trying to prolong this series a little bit longer so they can get Steph Curry back in the lineup 
for the start of their second-round matchup against the Pelicans, who were able to complete their sweep of the Blazers yesterday. I don't know if I really buy into that, that they weren't trying. The Spurs were at home. You know, you have a little bit of pride. You don't want to get swept. Um, but something that's really uncharacteristic of the Warriors, they scored 90 points, which for them is pretty low scoring and had a lot of turnovers too, but uh, no concern. I mean, the lead was cut from 3 nothing to 3-1. They'll find a way to get back and close things out, but uh, they're trying to, get, trying to hold things off as much as they can and get Steph Curry back in the lineup. I'll say this, they're not winning a championship unless Steph Curry is healthy. I feel confident in saying that. Yeah, and they were, they were saying 90% he would be back within a week. Now they're down to 75%. All I know is no Steph Curry... <laughs> No Brian watching the NBA playoffs. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's that's my deal. Okay. Uh, and then also um, the uh, the Cavaliers were mm-hmm. were down uh, two to one. They evened it up, um, but LeBron is not the old LeBron. Is he setting himself up to be a Laker next year? Uh, if you want to believe some other conspiracy theories, you could say that. I believe LeBron James is playing as well as you can ask him to. He played the entire second half. And their last game, which they lost and blew a double-digit lead, they had another double-digit lead in this game, and they blew that. But they were able to hold on, and LeBron made some huge plays down the stretch. I mean, ultimately, look, you have to have a little bit of help. I mean, the old LeBron James, i.e., set you know, 10, 11 years ago, when it was literally him and not much else, you know, he was a lot younger. He can carry the he can carry the load a little bit heavier, and he's still carrying the load tonight. I think he had 32 points, 13 rebounds, and eight or nine assists. So he's still putting up great numbers. He just doesn't have the greatest supporting cast out there. You know, he doesn't have Kyrie Irving to be you know the Robin to his Batman. So he literally has to shoulder every single solitary you know burden that that hampers the team. So. Uh, they can still beat this Pacers team. I think it's good being a little more difficult than they thought it would be, but their prospects where it was a lock to say the Cavaliers are probably going to the finals, say a week or two ago. I don't know if I feel confident in saying that the Cavaliers are definitely going to come out of the Eastern conference right now. Um, the, uh, the Doyers 50,000 in, in attendance, two nights in a row, the only major league yeah. team to do that this year. Uh, let me ask you this. Is that the Dodgers or is it because the Lakers suck? <laughs> it could be a little bit of both, and the Clippers are not in the postseason either, and the Kings got swept out of the playoffs. I think that is a good sign for baseball in general, considering that attendance across the major leagues has been down this year. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. I mean, there was a couple of weekends ago where I think there were seven games or eight games that got delayed because of weather, which is the first time that happened in over 15 years. Uh, but I do, the other factors are, look, the Dodgers coming off of a World Series appearance, they're welcoming in, even though the Nationals not having the greatest start to the season, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, and they had Steven Strasburg was on the mound the other night. You know, you had, you had Kershaw taking on Max Scherzer on Friday. So all the big names, all the heavy hitters converged on a weekend series here in Los Angeles. You had Sunday Night Baseball, National TV tonight. So I think there's a, a conglomeration of different factors as to why the, the fans came out in droves this weekend to support the Dodgers, who really needed to come up with a big series win over a quality opponent, and they were able to do that these last two games of this series against the Nationals. And it's, it's not my job, but someone uh, in the, the in sports talk should look this up. When was the last time in Los Angeles that n- neither of the two hockey teams, neither of the two NBA teams were in the playoffs in an April? You know, we're out. Mm. This, they're not even in them. You know, both. Swim. I don't yeah, know. That, that, that's, a great, that's a great trivia question. I'm not sure. Because, I mean, the Lakers and or Clippers have always been in the playoffs for the longest time over the last, you know, 15 years or so. The Lakers obviously almost never missed the playoffs up until these last five years. And then when the Lakers are going through their struggles, the Clippers still had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And although they weren't going deep into the playoffs, they were always there. 
The Kings have been phenomenal the last couple of years. The Ducks have been excellent. So, yeah, that's an excellent question, something that I can look up and maybe bring back to you on the show next week there. And then remember last month there was the dude that hit solo walk-off home runs to win two games in a row for the first time in Major League uh, history. I forgot who it was. I think it was an angel. I forgot who it was. Yeah, it was Brandon Belt. Was it Brandon Belt? I believe so. it was Joe, it was Joe, or was it Joe Panic? Well, but that—that's the reason Excuse I bring me, it that up. Was Joe Pan? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of Brandon Belt today. today yeah, because we're talking the about there's 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 a million obscure records in in the in Major League Baseball today. Another one I never heard of. Brandon Belt set the Major League record with 21 pitch uh, a 21 pitch at bat. He fouled off 21 pitches. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive, is it not? But it really and means course, nothing. And it was anticlimactic because I think he grounded out or yeah, flied out. Yeah. So. Now he did end up having three hits in the in the Giants win and that home run. So, and it's great defensive home- baseball. I mean, to have a guy out there wearing out a pitcher with twenty one uh, pitches that's that's great. If you can do that, and what, who cares if you're getting out? You just got twenty one pitches from the guy. But I thought right. that he was knocked, interesting. It's, it's it's amazing. Knocked the pitcher out. The pitcher threw, I believe, seventy pitches in like three innings or something. You know, you throw that many to one batter. Uh, so that's a pretty amazing uh, uh, accomplishment there for Brandon Belt. And for the Giants to come in and get a big win against a, uh, an Angel team that had been playing well before the Red Sox came to town and smoked them, and now the Giants got them a couple of times too. Uh, and Shohei Otani, by the way, did get a hit. We have to get our, our Otani update. Yeah, uh, did get did get himself a hit in the lineup tonight. We'll be pitching on the mound uh, for the Angels on Tuesday. But the Angels cooling down a bit. And then finally Thursday yes. night, the NFL, uh, the National League of Tackle Football. Uh, annual draft. You guys on radio, you're going to have, I, I think you're going to have Jake Laser on the radio side. Last year, he he nailed, in 32 tweets, he nailed all 32 draft picks in a row. You're right. So, now, wise eyeballs on him. Who is your number one pick? My number one overall pick would be Sam Darnold out of USC going to the Cleveland Browns. He's the best quarterback prospect in the draft. He can literally do anything you like from the quarterback position. And the only reason I'd have him over Rosen is that he's more mobile. And if you were playing for the Cleveland Browns, you'd be running for your life. You kind of want somebody <laughs> that to be able to keep plays alive, and that's something that Sam Darnold can do. Now, you mentioned Jake Glazer a second ago, by the way. I guess it's going to be simulcast, the NFL draft on television, on Fox and NFL Network but as well as ESPN and ABC, and they've reached a gentleman's handshake agreement that none of their insiders, either via Twitter or on the telecast, are going to tip tip off who's being drafted. This is something that's happened in the last couple of years oh. where the announcers will say, well, I'm getting word that the San Diego Chargers are going to draft XYZ. I say San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, I'm sorry, are going to draft XYZ. Uh, they're not going to do that this year. They want to keep the suspense up until the commissioner actually reaches the podium. Yeah. So if you're looking for it to tip things off, and I get tipped off by some of these insiders before the picks are actually made to the podium, uh, you're going to be disappointed. And by the way, for the record, Kevin, uh, what was uh, uh, draft day? Uh, you know, uh, Field of Dreams, Kevin, uh, what's his name? Kevin Costner. Kevin yeah. Costner. <laughs> you yeah. know, major Hollywood star. That, that Kevin dude. Draft day, yeah. not a bad movie. Well, it's not terrible. Uh, there were some inaccuracies, I believe, of, of how the draft process totally works, which a lot of, irked a lot of NFL front office insiders. Oh, screw them. Standpoint, yeah, from, from a movie standpoint, for most of us who don't know the difference anyway, pretty pretty damn good, I'd say. Yeah, just like Moneyball is one of my favorite baseball movies, even though it screws over Art Howe, who had a lot more to do with it than, than Billy Bean.
But anyway. yeah, how about not mentioning any of the starting pitchers who were great for that team too? Yeah. The reason they could the reason they could win games, you know, two, three to one, is because they're phenomenal pitchers. Outside of Chad Bradford, the one reliever that they mentioned in the film. Yeah. I'd be, if I were Barry Zito, I'd be pissed. Uh, all right. Well, this kind of witty banter and folksy anecdotes is found every single podcast on the FNA podcast with Kevin Figures, and then the guy who starts with A. Uh, Kevin's part of the Pedro Somebody uh, show in the afternoons on our sister station, AM570 KLAC. You're home of the Doyers. Yes, and one more cheap plug before I check out of here, Brian, for you listeners of KFI AM640, if you are fans of the Gary and Shannon show, I will be going toe-to-toe with Shannon uh, on tonight on KNBC Channel 4 on Going Rogan, a sports uh, debate show. Yeah, so you're check a, that out tonight at midnight. You're a frequenter on Going Rogan, aren't you? I am, myself, as is Shannon. So Shannon and I will be going toe-to-toe tonight at that midnight. So if you won't be awake, set your DVRs. And if you're insomniacs, you look forward to great sports debate between myself and Shannon Farron on Channel 4 tonight at midnight. Yeah, and if you're trying to figure out which one is Kevin, he's the hot one. <laughs> Did you got the check is in the mail, Brian. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a good night. And uh, talk to you next Sunday. There he goes. Back right after this with Have You Seen Free Couch. Uh, two weeks buildup on this uh, for Have You Seen Free Couch. Hashtag Have You Seen a Free Couch if you want to enter uh, a couch somewhere in the L.A. area for free on the side of the road or even a major highway. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here until uh, uh, 10 p.m. on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is super hyper local Sunday coming to a wrap-up here. Brian Suits and crew done here at 10, then George Nori and Coast to Coast. Uh, and then later on, like Kevin Figures said, El Sports Ball Caliente, that at midnight, going Rogan on NBC4, featuring Kevin Figures from uh, AM570 KLAC, as well as our very own Shannon Farron. Just touch the meat, all right? Or take a Ziploc bag, put your hand in it, handle your meat, and then throw the Ziploc bag away. That's a wacky outtake. So that'll uh, be beyond their movies. This is really the week before Avengers uh, Infinity War. And uh, the, the big release, the Amy Schumer movie, Feel Pretty, her latest comedic star turn uh, was only in third place. $16.2 million. Uh, it did not knock John Krasinski's horror movie A Quiet Place out of the top slot. And that's the guy from The Office, right? John Krasinski. Uh, did he direct it and write it and stuff for Sundale? Um, Why is it his? Anyway, good for him. Apparently it's really good. I'm, I don't do horror movies, but when I hear that there's a twist to it or an angle, yeah, but it's, it's I'll got go some, see it. It's got some mouth travel. Yeah, it's got it's got real good. Uh, if he's in it and he wrote it, he's a, he's a. Did he? Did he? Is that what they're calling it? That's pretty good. I don't know, but I, I might. I might if, if it's good, I'll go see it. Um, he's married to Emily Blunt. Yeah, the uh, that act, she's an American citizen now, by the way. Um, but uh, anyway, an additional did a twenty-two million. Uh, the Dwayne Johnson, or as I call him, the uh, the scissors. Um, Rampage is down from the number two slot, and it took in $21 million. But anyway, who cares, because the Avengers Infinity War starts uh, this week. Super Troopers 2 debuted in fourth position. But, I mean, $14.7 but whatever, it cost $4 million to make it. So it made its money. And this is – and I forgot, Super Troopers came out like 18 years ago or something, and everyone said, oh, it's so funny. You have to go see it. It's just so off the wall. It's so funny. And I, my wife was a cop at the time, 
but she thought it was just the funniest damn movie, and I just wasn't getting it. What, what's it about? It's these state troopers oh, oh, in the, New Hampshire, and they're super, the it's, super it, wacky. So like, it's a, it was a, a it was made by a comedy troupe that no no one had heard of. They just put their money together, made this movie, a bunch of cop cliche, broken lizard comedy group, and you still haven't heard of them. Um, and they put their money together, made the movie, and and what's funny is. Cops love the movie because there's a whole bunch of inside cop humor. Ah. That would be the thing, though. It's like, if what if brain surgeons got together and made a really wacky movie about the OR, you know, with a bunch of inside medical. So it, I just never got it. But uh, so there we go. Even though you're married to an ex cop. Yeah. She thought a bunch of stuff was funny. I was just like, man. Um, a guy you're going to hear about tomorrow, his name is James Shaw. He's the guy that wrestled the weapon. Away from uh, Travis Reinking, the naked 29-year-old who went into a Waffle House earlier this morning in Nashville and killed four people, wounded several others, killed two outside, killed two inside. Clearly, we can assume from what we know that the guy was going to shoot until he was out of bullets. And so who knows? Could have been dozens uh, or or whatever. We don't know. I, I don't know how many uh, magazines the guy brought. But bottom line, one of the patrons in the restaurant, James Shaw, wrestled the weapon away from the guy and the guy is described as six the the uh, the shooter Travis Ranking who still they don't know where he is described as 64 180 uh wow really six yeah, four. big guy i don't know if he was methed up or whatever but what this guy did with well, his right hand for for 64 yeah he he grabbed the barrel now the guy had fired several rounds uh the the barrel of an AR15 after after five or six rounds it, it's untouchable you will get third degree burns if you grab the barrel but it's what the guy saw. He grabbed the barrel, then he gained control of the weapon from the guy and wrestled the weapon away from him. Uh, and the guy ran away, naked, no pants, ran away back to his apartment to get weapons. But James Shaw is a stone-cold hero. Yeah. Uh, he says that he did it because he said, I'm going to be the hardest guy he has to kill. Uh, and in doing so, he saved, uh, I don't know how many, how many people were in the Waffle House, but it was more than 10. So assume that he saved uh, 10 lives. This guy could have just said, you know, yeah, I was in there. But he's just so humble about it. Could have hauled ass and run the other way. No, but, I, yeah, the, but the guy is, you know, after he, you know, miraculously took this guy down or at least the weapon away, he could have said, you know, this is my plan. And I, But he's just being very humble about it. Yeah, and he there's a fight or flight reaction, and he went with fight uh, and, and uh, took the guy's weapon away. And uh, so we'll... Be hearing about him tomorrow. How do you think we're going to find this guy? Oh, what do you mean? The oh, shooter. I, I, you know what? I think whatever he was on, he's off. He's a coward, and I don't think he's brave enough to kill himself. I think he's a coward, and he'll be arrested, or he's dead in a forest somewhere right now. But they're they've combed everywhere, so I, I don't know. But I, he sounds like a coward, and that he'll he'll be like the the guy Mitchell Roop, the the guy in uh, uh, in Charlottesville. Or South Carolina, I mean, who who uh, shot up that church? Oh, that guy. Yeah, I think I think this guy's like that. I think he's just a freak, and that he's and reality's going to hit him and uh, all that. Um, and for the good of the order, has anyone seen a free couch? Uh, uh, now, Joey Murata had, I got to say, he tweeted it out a real nice sort of low slung black leather uh, two piece couch there in Hollywood. Yeah, got a nice little uh, yeah two piece uh, leather black leather couch. It looked pretty nice. Um, Was it heavy? Did you take it home? <laughs> I, I did not take it home. There, there was something or someone. There's a hobo lying right <laughs> okay, next I to it. I didn't want to say. I want to bring that word back. A hobo. <laughs> He's a hobo. Uh, Josh Saylor. Anything there in in Snooty Town or Thousand Oaks? <laughs>
not Thousand Oaks, but I don't know about Snooty Town. That might be appropriate. Out there in but, the West Valley? Uh, in the West Valley. Uh, on Shoop Avenue, under the freeway off the side, there's, like, gates that block the off-ramp from, like, the underpass. There was a there was a few uh, office-looking office chairs there and a couch, but I don't know if I would recommend uh, picking those up or not. But you can check them out off Shoop probably Avenue. Probably county on, property. On Ventura Boulevard right there. Uh, Michael should pay anything. Yeah, I got a red couch. It's now missing its cushion. Saw it last weekend, and it's now. And there was a dead raccoon very Ooh. close to it. Free? The, yes, free. A big, fat one. <laughs> and uh, he was gone the next day, and now a possum's been there for two what? days. Doesn't get the same love. Uh, all right. The possum's still in. Well, there, there you have it. Uh, all the news to win your Monday. Super Hyper Local Sunday uh, edition 50, I believe, uh, is in the books. Thanks to Joey Miranda, Josh Saylor, Michael Chabay, Brian Suits here. I'll be on Kennedy tomorrow at 5 p.m. on Fox Business Channel, which is 359 on uh, most people's direct TV. KFI M640, more stimulating talk.